What is up, friends and listeners? You know I'm here. That's not great news. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, Kyle has a new computer. It, for some reason, picked up a different mic even after testing. Uh, so he does sound a little weird. But the show is awesome. I hope you listen. Have a good time. We have a special guest. See you there. Open up your ears and open up your mind. They're reaching to your throat and pull out your spine. And when the sun blows up and the earth is gone, there's still experience Going hot when with Kyle ready. and Sean. Oh, that was gross. <laughs> gross. What's up, boys? I think it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Hey. I guess so. What's up, Kyle? It's good to see hey, everyone's beautiful faces. It's good to see your beautiful hey, face. And, and your Santa ball hanging from your head. Is that a Santa ball? What is that? Like, in the grand... In, in like, the mythology, the mythos of Santa Claus, like, what the fuck's up with the hat? Why has it got a ball on the end? I think the ball Cheer? is to keep it weighted down so that it doesn't flutter about in high wind and then possibly rip off of your head. Why is it so it long? It gives it some weight. I don't know, man. It's technically the same that hat that Link wears, yeah. I was just thinking it's a red Link hat. Yeah. Why doesn't Link well, have a ball on the end? It's also like the uh, the old sleeping hats, which I also never got. Like, why would you wear one of those to bed? But in, like, the old cartoons and such, you know, they'd always have the the big nightgown and the long sleeping cap. Yeah, do you cuddle Guessing with it? because it used to be cold as fuck. I mean, I used to wear a, uh, when my hair was growing out and it was super obnoxious and it was just like getting like, you know, when it's rubbing your eyebrows and shit and it's like, oh, get out of there, man. Like I'd toss on a, like a winter hat. I mean, that made my head warm. At night to sleep in? Yeah. I feel like if you elongate it and there's just all that empty space, that's so much more space for cold air to be. And for your warm air to travel through? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm insulating myself. Maybe it also wicks the sweat away from your head. I can tell you the Santa hat that I'm wearing is gross as fuck around the rim because it's absorbed (laughs) a lot of sweat and oil over the many years. Is it crusty? Tell me it's crusty. It's not crusty, but it is. There is a brown, a distinct brown rim on the underside. It's got a nice patina. (laughs) <laughs> it's, well, a nice patina. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's uh, it's seasoned. Oh, that is so gross yeah. to think about. But I've had, <laughs> I, I've had baseball caps the same exact way. When you take it out and mm-hmm. you're like, man, I really hope nobody sees the inside of this. And then you give it a sniff. Yeah. Me. And I don't like. I don't know how. Like the material is so soft and delicate. There's no way to run it through the washing machine without destroying it. And I'm not going to take a cheap ass Santa hat into the dry cleaner and have them like, dude. Can you wash this for me, please? I'll send you the six bucks it would cost. <laughs> like, just just to hear the story next time you're on the show. You can do dry the dry cleaners cleaning are expensive bags. as fuck. Are they now? Like, I was just talking to Sarah the other day about how surprised I was that dry cleaners weren't that expensive. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I guess when I take a load of clothes to the dry cleaner, it's always like a batch of six to nine pieces of um, I guess it adds up. Clothing. So, yeah, if it's like 10, 15 bucks a piece, I don't know. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. That checks out. Well... 
I the economies know. might just be wildly different too. I'm just realizing that Texas has gas that is like a dollar and a half cheaper than they have in the Pacific Northwest. So who knows what the dry cleaning economy is in New England compared to the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. I worked with a guy that would get like every single one of his shirts. He'd, he'd go to the dry cleaners every fucking week, man. And like Starts they that, were baby. okay shirts, but they weren't like they weren't dress shirts by any means. They were just like a type of flannel shirt, but he would take them all and get them. He was all dude. That dude would spill coffee on himself every fucking day. <laughs> He's got Macy's shirts that come in like the plastic bags. But they were expensive. He like showed us where he got them from, and they were like seventy dollars shirts a pop. Oh, nice! I'd get those bad boys yeah. dry cleaned. Maybe not after spilling a cup and a half of coffee on them. <laughs> he but... did spill so much coffee on Jesus, all the time. What a I would blub. Yeah, I would start drinking with straight. straws. Mm. That dude was funny as I, hell, man. You know, I would rather dump on myself than drink with a straw. I just don't like it. <laughs> Like it, it depends on the beverage. Like coffee, I'm not going to drink with a straw. Cold coffee, yes. Hot coffee, no. Yeah, exactly. But like, I don't know, a drink in a restaurant, I'm always, I'm I'm requesting a straw. If they're like walking away without giving me one, I'm like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me here. Can I get, can I get a straw here? Especially if it's got ice, man, ice uh, on my, on, your teeth. on my mustache uh. and a, a damp mustache. Not about it. I'm I'm like I could go to a place and uh, I'll look along the rim and like if there's smudges or stuff, I'll just turn it to a side that's not smudged and drink out that bad boy. I don't give a fuck. I can't do it, man. And then I'll forget and I'll just drink somebody's smudge. Yeah. Drink somebody else's smudge. Yeah. Talking about somebody else's smudge. How you guys doing on grappling presents? <laughs> 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 beautiful transition um, Thanks, man. yes i was just thinking like so, what if you gave somebody your smudge and that's actually just how you end up with kids so whatever yeah <laughs> a smudge is a kid i wrapped my first presents today i've i've keep uh santa's workshop has uh is pretty much entirely my closet my bedroom closet that i can close shut and keep all the gifts in there so um, until nice. I start wrapping, they all live in there, and it's getting really crowded. So I need to uh, need to start um, getting some stuff actually out of there and under the tree, because my son really enjoys seeing the uh, kind of the the cavalcade of gifts as they start to slowly pop up under the tree over successive yeah. days. It like really does ones. add something to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. When you just have, he like, always notices a little pile. He always checks, like, okay, what's this one? He goes over to the to the label and sees, like, is this one for him? Is it? <clears throat> uh, well, really, he's just seeing if it's one for him. But yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah. Does your uh, does your son still believe? Uh, surely not, right? In Santa Claus, I don't think so. Um, he's thirteen, um, so almost certainly not. I think he sure. held on to that belief a little bit longer. We've never actually had that conversation with him. Okay. But I think just the sheer amount of media that he consumes. Sure. He knows. And just like generally being having the maturity of a teenager, like yeah, that's I think that's been breached, which is actually kind of how I don't remember like I never had that conversation. I, I never had to... like a re- reveal moment. Um that's I just kind of like one year, I guess. So it was just like 
I guess it's kind of all kind of bullshit. I was about uh, to ask, but... is that a common thing with like with parents? I would always see that on TV and in movies and stuff, but I don't think I've ever met somebody personally who had like that conversation with their parents of like, hey, listen, you're 17 years old. That guy's oh. <laughs> not real. At 17. I was going to say, I learned pretty early on because uh, as a kid of a single parent, I had to go to my mom's work often after I got done with school because, of course, those two things didn't line up. And I remember being like probably six or seven, maybe eight, and like just running around and I ran into the closet there and I opened the door and it was just packed with presents and they said mine and my sister's name. And like, I immediately knew I was like... <gasps> Santa's not real, and my mom had to be like, all right, look, he's not real, but you can't tell your sister. So then, like, I was brought in on the secret from a young age, and I remember being, thinking that was cool, and, like, watching her open presents on Christmas and being like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> we got you, you fucker. I know something you don't. <laughs> yeah, but I remember, like, I was, like, a literal, like, my mouth hit the floor, like, <gasps> I saw all these presents, and my mind was just, like, blowing like i i couldn't comprehend what i was seeing i was like why are there pre what is happening who Th are these phil at what age yeah. did you kind of catch on i have no idea i'd have to guess nine ish would nine -ish? i guess eight or nine hmm. um i do recall like a couple of christmases where i was just like oh my fucking god he he came he like there were not presents like this yesterday and now there are and like that's impossible i don't know how like this shit just showed up um but yeah i can't remember some where along the lines um we we kind of figured things out the way we do it with with we had done it with our son is that he would get one present from santa and it was a big present but not like the biggest present and sure. it was wrapped in a very specific uh, paper that was not the same as any of the other, other paper that's we got. Pretty, so that's awesome. Yeah, because we wanted to do, avoid the thing where like, oh, Santa got me a new PlayStation, and he's bragging to kids at school, and they're just like, oh, Santa got me some oranges. Um, I got some socks. weird. Mm. <laughs> so that's, um, yeah, that's the really big awesome presents. I love that idea. And yeah. that way of it, I think it works in theory. Um, our son, he, I don't think he's bragging to kids about his Christmas anyway. Um, he's not <laughs> particularly social, but yeah, if you know, on a on a society wide basis, um, avoiding the the whole stigma of Santa bringing expensive kids to rich, expensive presents to rich kids and poor presents to poor kids. Did you guys nice grow up uh, in houses with fireplaces? Nope, not here. No. So we uh, had how did your a... parents explain Santa got in? Because I, I, my we had a unique way. I mean, I was curious. I had a wood stove yeah. that there's no way that okay. somebody could get down. Like a little tiny pipe right. into this. There's like a 12 inch pipe. Same here. Iron. Sure. <laughs> like I burnt myself on that thing. Like I learned to stop feeling pain at like four years old <laughs> by walking into the fucking yeah. wood stove in the basement. We um, didn't have anything at all like that so i i asked my mom once and she was just like oh we just leave the door unlocked for santa <laughs> that's it i i never asked and actually phil i i love what you do with your son because this is uh this is just a quick little note kyle that's something in violent night 
last week's episode mm. that I really loved and that like he he was just dropping off like one present to everybody. You yeah. Know, it wasn't mm-hmm. this huge thing. And I really I dig that so much more than what I did. It was just like I feel like half of the presents were from Santa, half were from the parents or from your siblings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I think that's how I was raised. I th- my my parents um, did the like Santa gave you all the presents or like a lot of presents. So yeah. you know I I enjoy that because you wake up Christmas morning and it's just like there are a, a ton of presents that were not here last night. Yeah. Uh, my wife's family they did the the one present from Santa um, thing and that's kind of what we what we drifted to when we had kids. Uh, well, do you, when you guys were kids, did you do the milk and cookies thing? Because I remember we did that a couple of times, and that blew my mind too. Because it was just my mom, obviously, but no, yeah, I remember like waking yeah, up and like checking that. those, and like there were two of them that were eaten, and the milk was drank, which is double great because my mom hates milk, but she would drink it because <laughs> <Did she laughs> it, it would have like the, the lip marks and everything. Uh, What's that? I said, did she drink it or just dump it down the sink? No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, she would d- definitely have like the where you could see where it was. Somebody had drank it. She went. She committed, man. She went Mom's. hard. They got that love. I think going back to your uh, how did Santa get in question, I think they let movies do a lot of the answering of that mm-hmm. for us. Like, I think in the OG Grinch, like the fireplace just goes meow. And also there's a scene in uh, the, the Santa Claus, t- the Tim Allen movie, where it just yeah, like, where he goes down, I think, like a yeah. wood stove or something. Yeah. And it's like a real tiny pipe and it's like ding, 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 ding. I never once wondered how he did. All I know is I woke up and there was presents. That part mm-hmm. always kicks so much ass, man. Opening that door, like yeah, that groggy wake up to, and then being like, "Oh wait, no, it's Christmas. This is a different morning." <laughs> like running out and being like, "Oh my god!" Yep. Oh my god. Okay, so this is gonna tell a lot about your guys' character. Did you guys ever, mm-hmm. after you learned, once you knew? you ever get into an argument with somebody or a fight at school and then you rip the band-aid off for them oh about santa claus i don't remember it i remember it happening i feel i think i think i did it once yeah i think there is dreams i think there is enough of a fight where i'm just like you believe in (laughs) santa he's not real that's your mom and dad (laughs) no it's like fifth grade so i don't feel that bad I don't know. That seems about the right. Yeah, because fifth grade is what ten years old. I think so. So, you're they're still like the naive kids are holding on to that. Where the the ones that are in the know are like, I I know what's up. I'm I'm mature for my age. I know that Santa's not real, and that that presents the opportunity for uh for some dynamic interaction. And um, I never I I don't recall ever having any sort of uh, situation where I was the one revealing, nor did I have anyone reveal to me. Um, so, Man, yeah. I, yep. I just laughed while, while talking about that, but this whole time I've been silent. I was just thinking about how bad, <laughs> like, like there's got to be that person out there who, it, like, thinks back. He's, he's with his kids if he's got kids. And he's like, man, I remember when I found out that Santa wasn't real. Fucking Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Now I feel like and a he, dick. <laughs> and then he goes and beats his kid. Oh no! <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. Fucking Sean! Stop believing in Santa. 
Yeah. I told you, put bullying, an almond milk. Bullying echoes through generations, Sean. You gotta yeah. apologize. It's oh, true. No. I don't even know who it would be. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Uh, it's lost to I remember of the past. What was funny about that too, because I remember again, this is like one of those maybe ADHD super clear like images in my mind, but I remember that also being like the domino effect of like Santa Claus isn't real. So wait, the tooth fairy isn't real? And the Easter Bunny isn't real. And like all these things fell into place. And I was just like, oh, it did a lot. That seems like a lot of damage for a six-year-old to be unpacking. But I remember it wasn't damaging. I thought it was really cool because then I knew something other people didn't. And it's shocking that I'm not a conspiracy theorist today. Because of the, the rush that that gave me being in on something that like, that I feel that's why conspiracy theory people are into that shit because they feel like they're smarter because they know something that people don't know that planes drop chemtrails in the middle of the daytime when if they were really trying to do that why wouldn't they just do it at night when nobody could see <laughs> i don't understand Cons- conspiracy theorists they're all chasing that same high they got from when they found out santa wasn't real right and yeah <laughs> they're just that like I, I need to know. I need to have another layer of the matrix peeled away so that I can <laughs> Santa, I can see something Santa Claus, that people can't see. That's why he has the red suit. He's the original red pill. <laughs> <laughs> you take it and it opens your mind. That's mm. the funniest thing to me. All these weirdos talk about the red pill which is a movie written by two trans women i can i can never tell the difference Ah. i can never remember the difference between what's the red pill and what's the blue pill the red pill is like the tracking device that you take to wake up the blue pill you go back into the matrix and i I won't remember it an hour after we (laughs) it's not (laughs) i almost just very confidently like i just went to talk and i would have said the exact exact thing opposite yeah 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 yeah. i'm so glad that you just kept going and i shut up (laughs) man that would have been embarrassing Uh, well speaking of me keeping going and you shutting up uh phil buddy Mm -hmm. as is Mm -hmm. tradition we're here with you to talk about a Jean-Claude Van Damme flick. Why don't you Van Damme into it, broski? And thematically appropriate Van Damme <laughs> flick because Sudden Death was a Christmas release, 1995. Oh. Uh, released December 22nd and just in time for the holiday. Um, and it's not one that I had originally picked for us to watch. I had originally wanted... Uh, Death Warrant, which was uh, <laughs> one of those early, like poorly produced Van Damme movies in in the vein of Bloodsport and Kickboxer. I hadn't seen it in probably decades, and then when I watched it, I realized there was a reason for that, and it's because it's yeah. a very very unfun movie to watch. Oh. Uh, but. Fortunately, um, so I have my my college friends, like my movie group that I would watch movies with in, in college, and um, we now do it, you know, across time zones, and some of us could get together on Friday night to talk uh, Sudden Death, some of us could get, could get together on Sunday to talk Death Warrant, uh, so we ended up, I ended up doing, watching both this weekend, and was fortunately able to warn you guys in advance 
Don't watch Death Warrant. That movie is fart. Let's I, watch Sudden Death instead. I laughed Sunday morning when I woke up, and I had seen that you had sent the group, I'm about to watch this. Can't wait to chat with you guys. And then three hours later, <laughs> did you guys want to do Sudden Death instead? <laughs> I am glad you came in and made that executive decision because, as I stated earlier... Another great uh, action movie. Just in in general, of my whole love and appreciation for the bad movie genre, boy, this ranks up there really quick and lovingly. This is a mm-hmm. treat, gentlemen. I'm so glad you made this call. I'd never heard of this movie Somehow, which is crazy because it came out after Time Cop and it's directed by the same guy. And I love Time Cop. And I remember the marketing for Time Cop being everywhere. And this one kind of just farted out. Sean, had you ever seen this movie before? No, this is one of the movies that I've I had heard of, like heard heard the name before. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I had no idea what it was about. You hear sudden death and it to me. It was just like any other Seagal or Jean-Claude Van Damme or whatever movie. It just has the the name you can just tell is one of those. And so my head went somewhere completely different than what this this movie actually was. I was very surprised. Actually, I guess I wasn't that surprised when Kyle kind of broke down the synopsis of it like in the (laughs) chat. But still, while watching it, I was... Very surprised and pleasantly so at how much I like this movie. I, yeah, I, I gave you Threat Level Midnight, which was a... <clears throat> I didn't know it because, again, I've never also heard of this movie, much less seen it. But I've seen two things that spoof this movie fantastically that I loved not knowing that this existed. One of which is that episode of The Office, Threat Level Midnight, where Michael Scott makes uh, a spy movie where he has to infiltrate the NHL All-Star game to stop a bomb from blowing up the entire stadium. And the bad guy in that turns out to be the president of the United States who hired him at the start of the movie. And that's just great. But then there's also an entire episode of American Dad where uh, terrorists are trying to blow up the Bazooka Sharks Arena football stadium and he has to go around defusing the bombs while his daughter Haley is kidnapped by the main guy. And I, looking at it now, it's literally a direct, absolute reference wow. to this fucking movie. And uh, I never put it together until now. Now I can't wait to go watch that episode again. I will also say I watched this movie twice today, dudes. I fucking like <laughs> it so much. Dang, nice. Yeah. Well, if you if you still want to ride that sudden death high, uh, there is a uh, all-black cast remake starring Michael Jai White called Welcome to Sudden Death that came out in 2020 that takes place in a basketball arena. Urkel? Um, and it is available for free on YouTube. Did you say not, Urkel? Not Jaleel White. Not oh. Jaleel White. Oh, Michael, Michael Jai, Jai White. White. You would know him as the guy who gets a pencil shoved through his head yeah. in uh, Batman. Um, He's also Jackson in Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah. And Spawn in Spawn, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, is he Spawn? I'm going to look him up. Uh, maybe. In that original one? Uh, you definitely know him. Maybe. He is the, the villain that gets yes, the pencil through his eye by the Joker. 
Yeah, he's in spawn. He is he is the <clears throat> titular spawn. I'll be goddamned. With uh So But yeah, I did not know that either. I I have you seen it? I have not seen that. That's that's probably gonna be on my watch list this week because uh it's such a fun, you know, die hard ripoff premise uh that I I really enjoyed wanna wanna watch this again. Um this one, as you said, it's it's a treat. It was a fun it was a little bit long for my taste. You know, it clocked in at just under two hours and I mm-hmm. feel like they probably could have shaved about twenty minutes off of that, but 100%. you know it's yeah. It's, you know, it, it hits all the beats, um, and it's got, you know, a fairly likable um, lead character. It's got a fairly memorable, okay uh, villain in Powers Booth. Um, you know, I've got the some best opinions is at the on end him. When undercover incognito. <laughs> With that mustache. <laughs> and, that, and that fucking wig. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so bad. Oh, this movie... I had to watch it again because I watched it the first time, and dudes, I cannot tell you, I laughed so hard so many times just because of this fucking movie. And then I did the research on it, and I found out that the guy that originally wrote it wrote it as an action movie parody, and that made so many things make so much sense as to why it is so ridiculous. And then like once Jean-Claude Van Damme came on board, they rewrote a lot of it. But the one major aspect they came they kept from the uh the the comedy spoof was him fighting the mascot. They kept that Which is so funny. Which is apparently the one thing they kept for the uh Welcome to Sudden Death remake in twenty twenty. Really? Oh god so, alright, so yeah. now I'm super interested. <laughs> oh my goodness. And this one was like the I feel like this is kind of the the slight downside of Van Damme's peak you know he had this um he had this like run of movies for two or three years with with hard target which we did um with street fighter and time cop and this and he was like hollywood was trying to make him an a-list action star and putting him in some big budget blockbuster movies that that you know i think in in retrospect obviously didn't work out that well but you know this was kind of his you know his peak as a figure in in Hollywood, and um, it didn't last very long. I'm guessing it's because he's like one a notorious prima donna, like demanding presence on the set, and two very famously massive cocaine habit that <laughs> combined with like so so box office draws yeah. made folks go. You know what? There are other actors we can do here. Go star with with Dennis Rodman and Rob Schneider and whatever. Um, he kind of dropped off the face of the earth within about four or five years after this, which is a pretty precipitous fall. I feel I saw that uh die hard two on its opening weekend made more than this movie did in its entire theatrical run. And that's, that kind of tells you like Van Damme is pretty, he peaked already. Like, yeah, his, I think his, time cop was probably his most, yeah. his best commercial success. And then, Street Fighter kind of flopped, and then they did this, and it it recouped its cost. It kind of doubled its its um its cost, but still only made around sixty four million um gross total. So this movie is so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it it really is. Like there are so many things about this movie that really do feel like a a parody of an action movie. Uh, to mm-hmm. like 
This dude is a terrible dad, like an absolutely <laughs> terrible dad. He, he's a terrible dad and he's a terrible hero. Like he loses his daughter, runs, spends the entire movie running away. Like what? Like gets her back and then she disappears again. And then every single time he makes a call for help or talks to anybody, he's just talking to bad Big guys. Double crossing. Yeah. yeah, like, uh, I mean, we'll jump back around, but I remember at the end when, like, mm-hmm. his daughter's missing again, and he just trusts his kid with another Secret Service agent when, like, three of them have betrayed him at this yeah. point in the movie, and he's just <laughs> right. like, here, watch my kid. It's, dude, what? How do you know these people? Oh, my God. To be fair, I really did not like the boy. Um, oh, his the boy. son, Tyler, was was a massive just shitberg the entire movie. Just like talking shit about his dad is like he's not even a fire. He's not even a fireman. He's a fire marshal. He probably changes light bulbs for a he changes living. And light bulbs. <laughs> squirts his sister in the face and causes her to drop her drink all over her lap. And he's just like an unrepentant shit. And he yeah. like he's he's definitely. He has moved into my top five of like shittiest kids in oh, movies, man. along with uh, um, the boy from Over the Top and the one from Dutch. Oh. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those ones, but they're yeah, both of those. We're actually doing Over the Top next week for my choice oh. action movie. Oh my gosh, that that's amazing. I'm curious of that. Like, that's one thing. So action movies, you think you think kind of one one thing of an action movie. It's got a lot of fighting. It's a lot of got a lot of combat and and um, over the top. There's there's not a whole lot of fighting. Like it's it's an action movie, but it's almost yeah. kind of like a sports. It's it's movie like a sports well. action. Yeah, it's, it's weird because there's not that like you know he Stallone's not going around killing you know a bunch of people. He's going around arm wrestling truckers. <laughs> But yeah, it's I do a, think it counts as an action movie. So it's a beautiful. I get movie. It. Uh, also, apparently, this movie has a body count of thirty-six. <laughs> Powers Booth does kill a lot of people. Yeah, it and, and every succession. terrorist, every single terrorist is killed by uh, Jean Claude Van Damme's hands. Yeah, I I would noticing that he didn't, except for at the very end, he didn't use guns it was all like improvised macgyver style weaponry which you know i have a note here talking about like how how are fire marshals trained because he knows how to identify and disarm c4 bombs he knows how to make an improvised dart gun with compressed air that can kill in one hit he knows how to make a super soaker flamethrower Oh, um, man. What what else did he? That was the um, most ridiculous part of this entire movie. The tiniest <laughs> little bit of lighter fluid, and that dude was up in flames. Like it was a constant, yeah. gigantic stream of flamethrower coming out of this little squirt gun. To be fair, so old super soakers do have that compressed, like constant stream of water compared to current uh, water guns, which are very much like they squirt one small compressed like squirt 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 however the gun like no it still is ridiculous because you know the super soaker 200 that was kind of like the premier water gun i love that there was by the way um that there was a whole market of what are the best and most um valuable water guns in our youth that was i feel like a very 90s thing uh, but mandy and i have been re-watching legends of the hidden temple re-ones on uh uh paramount plus and they have like the built-in commercials, 
And man, some of those episodes are sponsored by like those super soakers. Mm-hmm. And like they've got the super soaker uh, 450. The backpack. The backpack. Yeah. Oh, dude, it looks so awesome to this day. I'm like, God damn it, I want that thing. 200 was Nostalgia. amazing. That one, however, was like the Super Soaker 25. Yeah, I remember Just, that one too. It was the concealable one that definitely did not have enough lighter fluid in there to light up a, a full human being. <laughs> um, that. Neither that guy think... nor the dark guy. Like, they had him dead to rights with their guns trained on him, and like, <laughs> they just let him. <laughs> Unafraid to kill literally anyone else in the movie. Once they get uh, Van Damme, they're just like, ah. So many people. So many people. Even the bad guy's like, I'm not going to kill you. Why? We Why? need to find out if you've got other people working for you. That was, I think that was kind of the premise of, especially with the, the double cross, uh, which, you know, very much the diehard clone aspect of, we need to have an ally on the outside that he, that he can talk with. But our twist is that the ally actually is an inside guy working with the villain. So, um, and yeah, I guess for whatever reason, he, he wanted to keep Van Damme alive to make sure that Van Damme wasn't working with, with anybody else. But um, this was definitely a movie where there's probably three or four opportunities for the villains to actually kill the person who was causing the most trouble and just fumbled the bag every single time. And uh, I knew we were in for a treat when it started with, of course, the death of a child. <laughs> Very yeah, somber can... opening. It's like it opens with this this fire, um, this house fire that Van Damme is is, um, and it's like very like somber piano music playing, and Van Damme is holding Stuck. this little girl who is trapped, um, and they're they're kind of pinned others under some debris so he can't can't move and he's got his fire mask on on her and then the whole building collapses on top of them he's okay but she ends up dying in this but you know my wife and i were watching this and she's like why this is a weird opening i'm like no no this is he needs motivation this This is is like a classic movie trope we need to have a little girl that he dies that dies in his arms at the beginning so that later in the movie, he feels like he can succeed by saving a little girl at the end. Which, which it, it ends up being his daughter. And but. I can't wait till we get back to there because, holy crap, talk about fumbling <laughs> the bag. This guy. Yeah. Uh, Do you think he ever considered about just, like, punching the flames out? <laughs> his legs were trapped. He couldn't, he couldn't kick or splits or anything. Like, yeah. All of his tools were, Take were off your unavailable pants, to him. Show the fire your booty. <laughs> we actually, we don't see his butt. We do see butt in this movie still, but not his this time. This is two movies in a row. Yeah. Or dude butt. Kind of disappointing. I was trying to think who, I guess it was probably one of the... The, hockey, the hockey player players. that's standing there naked. And the, the vice president later is like, nice uniform, Tchaikovsky, or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> we're in the shop. Everybody's like, oh, <laughs> He turns around and he's like, hanging dog, but they've got the towel conveniently placed. <laughs> but you totally hanging see his bare ass. But we, uh, after the little girl dies, we cut to six months later and he's pulling out. I guess he's in that time gotten divorced. Mm-hmm. And, he's uh, uh, lost his job as a firefighter and is now a fire marshal. And the wife has already found a new boyfriend or stepfather who actually is a really nice guy. 
Yeah, he seems really chill, and it's just like he's trying really hard to sell sell the kid's dad to the wife and kids. Yeah, and also I think maybe he's just terrified that Jean Claude Van Damme will beat his ass if he's anything besides subservient. Right. If this was my wife's uh, ex husband, or if my girlfriend's ex husband, and I am my dumpy ass, and <laughs> her her ex is JCVD, I'm just like. Um, he seems pretty cool, kids. Maybe yeah. <laughs> you should go to the Stanley Cup Finals with him. Um, question: Are are either of you? Did either of you have divorced parents? Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm My curious. Mom married, remarried, divorced like seven times. Okay, so I'm curious time. on on a scale of one to ten, how much of a dick move is it to show up unannounced to spoil your ex wife's birthday plans? by upstaging her with Game 7 tickets to the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, that would be terrible. Like, my parents had actually had a pretty good relationship, and that seems like it would be a really shitty thing to do to somebody. Yeah, my dad checked out, so he just didn't show up to anything, so I never had that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Therapy with the Boys. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I think... I. It's weird, but also it's like, I kind of see it's like, bro, it is game seven and he's trying to do a cool thing for the kids. Like, that is kind of a cool thing. Also, what kind of fire marshal drives a classic uh, Mustang like that? That car (laughs) was mint, dude. Cherry red fucking Mustang 67. Yeah. My yeah. just my my thoughts are is and maybe you know communication is different in the nineties because we don't have cell phones we don't have the internet but like how hard is it to call your son's mom and say hey I've got once in a lifetime tickets to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup since I'm taking Tyler tomorrow why don't we switch days so you can take him and Emily to dinner tomorrow and then I'll take them to you know this one of a kind thing tonight. But instead, she he shows up like right as they were leaving the dinner and being like, "Hey, I've got Stanley <laughs> Cup tickets. Who wants to come with Dad?" I'm the cool, fun Dad, like in Mrs. Doubtfire. You can't predict yeah. what I'm gonna do. Also, like <laughs> the mom and the stepfather are never mentioned again. We never see them worried. Nope. <laughs> like nope. not once. Uh we get more backstory about the chef's wife than we do the mom and the stepdad. No kidding. I felt so bad for the two of them. They <laughs> yeah, like they get you got the over. chef and you got his, you know, this elderly chef boyardee looking dude with the mustache and the chef's, you know, cap and his wife's at home with being held hostage by the terrorist and um, you know, spoiler alert, they both end up being shot and killed um, after their their job and the whole ruse is done. But yeah, we actually get a lot of screen time, relatively speaking, with them compared to, you know, the actual kids' parents. We need a sad violin just playing for that. <laughs> Sean, I know that you are a security expert and, like, people come to you with, like, questions about security. So I want to know, me? like, yeah, you. 
Uh, so I want to know, like, hold on. wait, yeah. where are you getting this? Because my background in security is basically Kevin McAllister setting up traps. Exactly. So okay. with your specialization in security, would you ever have imagined that the linchpin to the Secret Service's protection of the vice president's location is a single chef in an arena kitchen? Yeah, but but the thing is, is um, if the chef doesn't know you. You ain't getting by. You ain't getting by. <laughs> Who the fuck cares about the chef? I, dude, I was listening to that thinking the same thing. Like, okay, unless this is some well-regarded executive chef who, like, runs the joint, which 90% of the time that is not even the situation, uh, I don't buy it. Two, that guy didn't look like he was an executive chef of jack shit. And this is an arena. What the fuck is he even feeding <laughs> exactly. people? They it's have hot dogs. <laughs> arena kitchen. What the fuck? Why yeah. is why is he the linchpin that all fucking guests have to go through? Why is there not Secret Service yo, run like, a point on this operation? He's like, yo, Mr. Vice President, you're getting you're getting yourself a gherkin with like all the fixings. <laughs> Just for you, dog. Speaking of uh Van Damme's divaness on the set. Uh, such a strict vegan refused to have any animal products on the set. And so every piece of shrimp for that shrimp cocktail had to be hand carved out of ballistic gel by the special effects team. Excusez-moi? Yeah. I, I, that was my, I have that listed under favorite IMDb trivia. That one's a great uh, one, right? Which I, I, I have to push back on a little bit because one... I've never heard of JCVD being a devout vegan. I hadn't either. Um, granted, I I certainly am fallible, um, and and maybe I that's just a blind spot in my fandom that I've missed. But two, <laughs> are the shrimp that integral to the plot that they couldn't just switch it out with another thing? Yes. Like the 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 trivia said that they had to spend ninety hours to carve what? and paint these prawns out of ballistic gel. It's like that's make a make a veggie platter to bring up there like or are they just saying like well no no vice president is going to eat vegetables he's going to need a meat platter to to that's unrealistic we need to devote 90 hours of time to make these ballistic gel shrimp that right there is having too much money yeah more money than you know what to do with Mm -hmm. it was a humongous shrimp cocktail that they wheeled in and like again that's what the executive chef is there working on, was a giant mm. shrimp cocktail. That's everything that we've done. We're going to go to Kroger. This movie fucking rules, you guys. Fuck of prawns. Go and to then Kroger. And we're going to arrange them. <laughs> we're going to arrange them. Um, and, and, yeah, it's, I don't know. Uh, um, I, don't and we see, I think we see them window. one time where Powers Booth is, is eating a... Uh, a prawn. I think that's the one time we actually see them used when he's not, you know, eating the scenery to, to uh, parrot from our friend Dave Michaels. Um, I'm surprised they did not have to rebuild the Civic Arena after Powers Booth Booth ate the entire scenery was, around uh, him. But he, he, he was, was enjoying himself. Man, <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about this first fight scene, which is the only one that stayed over from the original script, which is this. Fight with the the mascot because the poor mascot girl had to die, and then I the one got some token, observations. Yes, 
the one token terrorist woman is uh, put into the costume. I love that uh, somehow he knows just from the shadow that it's a gun, knows it enough of a fact that he immediately just kicks this lady in the stomach to start the fight. <laughs> he's piecing then, it together. Uh, he's, you know, she, she talks about his daughter and he sees his daughter's hat in there. So he's like, there's some realization. But yes, he goes from, um, I don't know who you are. Like, he goes from like, uh, maybe realization to, I am going to stab this mascot with a knife and kill them in an instant. Really? He goes zero to a hundred. Ready. Mm-hmm. Reasonable. Fine. I love this fight scene for, for multiple reasons. Of course, because he is fighting a literal mascot, a peng- Icy the Penguin. Um, but we have this unwritten rule in action movies that if there is a female henchman, she cannot fight a male protagonist. You see it so many times where it's like, we have a female henchman, and we have a female um, sub like character and they they are the ones who fight each other while the men fight each other but they're able to subvert this trope by actually putting a woman in the costume and so you know from a a hollywood standpoint van damme can go toe-to-toe with a woman in a full-fledged combat and not have to like pull any punches and holy shit like they do not pull any punches. There's meat cleavers. There's meat slicers. He dips her hand into a vat of boiling hot oil. Which... Um, it, it is brutal. It's uh, they use full, full uh, kitchen set. They use every single inch of this kitchen. It's great. I love. Uh, at some point, like they take the one penguin glove off on to show that she has red nails. Which yes. I was like, why? What's going on with this? I didn't because the original mascot being... was already a woman. It's not like they had yeah. to. I but guess I didn't see like I was like, why are we? They seem to focus on the hand out of it, and I didn't realize we were being Chekhov gunned to when it gets dumped in the oil. But I loved how there are certain scenes when they're fighting, and it's clearly they've just wigged the stuntman. They've clearly just glued press on nails on a man's hand yeah. because that was a massive hand at times fighting Jean Claude Van Damme. It's it's the Seinfeld, um, the yeah, exactly. you know, they, they go to the woman's the hand cracking the uh-huh. lobster. <laughs> um, but uh, that's no, that's another great thing that I love because because it's in a mascot, you know, you're you're um, disguising the person. You can put a full stunt person in that costume so that when they're doing all the uh, the martial arts moves and all the you know um, different sort of um, acrobatics, they actually have a trained stunt person in that costume doing it. There's- Zoom in on the eyes in the costume, and then he hits it with the chili pepper. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, he fucks her up with the chili pepper, and then like dumps her oh, wow. into the washing the commercial washing machine, where she gets choked out by her own mat by her own head. I guess yeah, that's um, that's how she gets killed by asphyxiation. I'm assuming she yeah, gets run through if the this, machine. Oh, if this if this was scene. Van, if this was a different action star, I feel like there would be a pithy comment after that, like you're all washed up, icy. <laughs> I also really appreciated uh, the fryer was clearly just dirty water with like a bubbler underneath, and those fries <laughs> were soggy as all hell because they'd just been floating in the water all day for uh. that shot. I, I love the idea of that, like they clear the commercial kitchen out after the food's been served to the vice president. 
but one of them just goes like, you know what? I'm going to leave these uh, fries in this hot oil for like <laughs> ever. <laughs> As if that wouldn't sure. start a massive fire yeah. or something. They are uh, also a whole lot of gunfire in a fully crowded arena that never is tipped off to anyone. No. They and... have the silencers, but still. And a bazooka being shot from on top of the arena into the the marquee. This this whole time I was, you know, kind of observing just how different of a world it was pre-internet, pre-digital age of where you're going to have um, this this full standoff going on outside and nobody inside the arena has is any of the wiser. And that was how, great. And I how... also love like. They they explained it with one throwaway line at the start with the the head Secret Service guy who spoiler alert is in on the whole thing is mm-hmm. like the media has agreed to stay blacked out because it's the vice president when it's like dude in no way would any media not <laughs> start reporting that right away yeah and also I feel like here like I feel like everything can just be also explained away that's going on in this arena with that one guy that has a meltdown that that head secret, uh, secret service agent is trying to take away Tyler, his son. And he goes, listen, Hey, I paid to watch the game. Now the back of your head, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I feel like anything that happens in this movie, anybody in that arena could say something stupid like that. And it's like, sure. Makes sense. It hey. works too. And, uh, all boy, I love that every, I cracked up. The the son's entire fucking buildup and payoff is his dad goes back to his seat and he cries and he goes, I didn't move, Dad! I didn't move! As the entire... Is this before or after the helicopter crashes into the... Uh, before. This was, No, this is before. Okay. Oh, it is before. Because the... this is before. Oh yeah, yeah okay. the helicopter's like the very end of the movie. Because that's when he leaves it's the so son stupid. with the secret service agent. Who he doesn't know. Yeah, but this is after he becomes a goalie. Yeah, which we need to talk about that because that is, I feel like it is the most memorable part of this movie. I can't believe that wasn't a holdover from the the spoof parody because it's one of the most ridiculous things in the entire movie. Yeah, 100%. Um, And I mean, in in the basketball version, it's it's a lot harder to do because, you know, you've got the actual... uh, um, you know, you're 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 not covered. You don't have a face mask. Whereas a, a goalie in in hockey, you can kind of get away with that. Yeah. Uh, but like the premise and the setup, like one, I love it. I wish there was more of it. They set it up Me at the too. beginning where they talk about in you know he's he's taking his son into the locker room and he's meeting some of the uh, the players, some of which are like actual. I don't know NHL, but uh, I guess these are actual NHL players, which they do. A gr- I'll take it quick diversion here whenever i watch a van damme movie always looking out for how do they explain away this person's accent this like very like ambiguously western european accent in middle america or whatever so in this case you know as in a lot of cases they do kind of like the french french canadian french cajun kind of thing and i thought they did a really good job where he just like breaks into some some french conversation with one of the uh canadian french canadian players um, super awesome there. I like that. Sometimes they're very ham-fisted about it, like with, um, I forget which one, but, you know, they'll be like, 
they'll throw it into expository conversation. Oh, yeah, like yeah, when yeah. you, when our p- parents got divorced and I moved to France with my mom, I had to have a lot of different uh, ways that I was being brought up. And it's like that's I had a lot of teachers. A weird thing to say, but yeah. um, yeah, they did a good job here. But they kind of bring up his semi-pro hockey background. Um, and how because he, he talked about playing it in Canada too, up in French yeah. Canada. And I wish we would have gotten more because he's really only in there for like two plays. He gets his shit lit up at the beginning when he first comes in there, and then he saves a huge goal. Um, and then he, you know, he needs to get himself out of the game. I'm not. You guys can elaborate this. I'm not quite sure why he's in the game in the first place. I guess he's trying to hide from the terrorists <laughs> by that... putting on hockey hockey gear and going All right. into the game. But every, every yeah. time that I've ever tried to get away from terrorists, like. Becoming a goalie in a in a hockey game on Game Seven of the Stanley Playoffs. <laughs> yeah, man, I should have probably thought about that. You know, like there's My... no fucking way he's getting onto that, uh, getting onto the ice. No fucking Again, way. Pre nine eleven security was hilarious. He is yeah. <laughs> he is an attendee of this game who is going yeah. vigilante against all of these terrorists, and he's just like. Yeah, I'm just going to stroll right into the locker room, and yeah, it's not a big deal. My favorite part about this entire scene is that it literally serves absolutely no purpose, because the entire reason he did it was to escape the goons, and all he ends up doing is running in a giant circle and coming back right to where he was, (laughs) still chased by the same two guys who know it's him. Because he goes into yeah. the locker room, sees the guy on the thing, has the two guys chasing him, so he needs the costume, so he takes the passed-out goalie's outfit, goes on the ice, does this whole thing, and goes right back to where he was, and then still clocks the dude in the face. <laughs> and then kills them both. You know, uh, talk about goalie, parts that could have been cut, but man, I, I, they can't cut this. Piece. I was about I to say, we talked about 20 yeah. minutes being cut out of this movie. This part could have been cut. But I'm glad it did. I don't want that. Yeah, can't. I think they could have caught out the the double crossing <laughs> agent, and they would have Which lost one? nothing. Um, the, Hallmark, the, all of them. Yeah, Hallmark. The, the, the guy the who gets guy, roasted the guy who and gets... then comes back as a <laughs> creeper zombie. He's like, Wah! yeah. <laughs> this he has, he, he has a very dude. he has a very Five Nights at Freddy's like jump scare, just like. <laughs> Oh man, I do. Yeah, he goes completely in a circle. Then he gets. Does he finally get a gun from these guys? I can't. I think he shoots. Yeah, because there's a shootout in the locker room, which I re, I don't know anything about hockey, so I read up on a on an apparent um, mistake here that after regulation is done, I guess the teams go back to the locker room for like a break before coming out to overtime, which they didn't oh. do in this movie. So if they had followed uh, normal NHL rules, they would have gone back and been like, Oh shit, zero someone got murdered in this locker room. Oh, what were you going to say, Sean? <laughs> I said zero out of 10. Oh, poor realism. I was good. I love that for reasons that I still don't know. The main bad guy has a strict code of adherence to the rules of this hockey game. Because he's going to yes. blow it up at the end of this game. But then mm-hmm. when they suddenly hit sudden death, he's like, well, 
I guess it's not technically. And I love how everybody in the room immediately like sighs of relief too. Like, oh, uh, we're safe. It's not over. <laughs> yeah, because he has these rules at the end of the first period. If one third of the money isn't transferred from all of these banks to, or from all these uh, accounts to these foreign banks, then he kills a person. If it's if two thirds the money isn't there. By the end of the second period, he kills two people, and if all the money isn't there, by the end of regulation, he blows up everybody. Uh, but I guess he's got some some leeway if things go into uh, overtime. I, I love the the lawful evil nature of this of this villain. Also, is he gonna blow up the building with himself inside of it? I I never understood that, but I guess he was fine with that. I don't know. I I mean, there's that that woman, one of the hostages, who very clearly points out. I don't think a person with manicured fingernails and a ten thousand dollar watch plans on blowing himself up. Um, and considering he has the the helicopter escape route at the end, I you know she called it right. Uh, but I never, but... I didn't hear that she called out that he had manicured fingernails. But I did think it was very odd that like at one point he's sitting on the couch and his nails are very reflective. Now that makes yeah. sense. It was part of his it's a nice character. Little, nice little piece, which, you know, they actually <laughs> never reveal his name. That was a fun thing, you know, reading on, on the trivia again. And kind of like thinking but back to But he was a Secret they Service never, agent, right? He's a Secret Service agent, but they never, okay. like, actually address him by a name. He's he's nameless throughout the movie. He's credited as Joshua Voss, but it, that, that name is never uttered in the movie. His plan is also incredibly convoluted, and I don't see how mm-hmm. it's going to really eventually pay off, because at a point you have literally kidnapped the vice president, and I figure, like, you know, the entire weight of every intelligence agency is going to be coming after you after that I feel point. like there, there are easier ways to earn $500 million than yeah, it wasn't kidnapping the vice president of the United States. And then he's got to split it between all these people on his crew, like the lazy dude that's playing Doom while he should be watching the cameras. <laughs> the the super disheveled-looking um, terrorist, which he's like, I'm not a terrorist, I'm a professional, as he gives up the entire plan to JCVD. Sure does. Bef- after, after revealing the name of the woman in the costume and going like, oh, you didn't actually tell me her name, did you? I always do that. Like, how many times are you in this specific situation where you are revealing the name of your terrorist cohorts to the person foiling your plan? Those are not the moves of a professional. They have tons of guys, too, man. Like I said, 36 <laughs> dudes, people. Not all of them. They do kill the uh, the mayor's annoying wife. And then eventually the mayor. Uh, they all get killed by being shot in the shoulder, though. They're all very weak people. <laughs> I want to know the aftermath of of this. Like, there's the president has been the vice president has been kidnapped by terrorists. Game seven of the Stanley Cup goes into overtime, and then the helicopter crashes into the arena. Um, the mayor of Pittsburgh has been murdered. Like, there's a lot of just just bureaucratic it's, aftermath yeah. that comes in the days and weeks after this movie is set. I love, even though the helicopter crashed in, I don't think anybody got hurt because when the top of the dome opened, I noticed everybody in the seats were cardboard cutouts. Yep. I did not notice that, and that is hilarious. 
Yeah, they only had, uh, they had to, enough money to so, pay about two thousand uh, two thousand people for yeah for the uh, for the seats. So they put a lot of cardboard cutouts so, in there. Yeah, when that thing opens up, you just see them. It's all just like heads in the shoulder, like the upper torso, and the, nobody has their arms raised. Nobody's moving. It's just <laughs> static. It's like two thousand uh, two thousand five Madden games, where it's just like you you yes. pan out to the crowd, and it's just uh, <laughs> two dimensional so, three frames of animation. Yeah. I love that, like. All right, so you think that Jean-Claude Van Damme's character arc will be like, all right, so the little girl died at the start of the movie, so he's got to learn to, like, let things go and put everything into saving those that he loves, right? Uh, And then his daughter, somehow, all right, number one, she's sitting on a trap door. Number two, that, of course, the button gets pressed by accident, and she's fallen and hanging above the floor, and Jean-Claude Van Damme, rather than try to rescue her at any point, just decides to keep fighting this man. <laughs> no point, like, looks at his daughter, has any concern, is just literally wailing on this dude's face. His number one priority is to beat up this guy. I want to I want to ask all of our firearm enthusiasts who listen, um, if they can comment how difficult it is for a layperson with no training to wield one of these automatic weapons that Van Damme picks up and shoots all the terrorists with precision after he has dropped through the roof of the press box. Um, on a scale of, yeah, again, a scale of 1 to 10, how difficult is it, if you've never oh had any God. gun trading, to just pick up a, an automatic weapon and start blasting? Because I mean, looking, like, <laughs> looking at the terrorists who use the weapons, they're not very good at it either. Like, no. They walk into a room and they fire and they're like, like pretty sure they just shot the lady over in B12. <laughs> She's just ah! nobody again. Nobody cares because it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup. Apparently, the most important event of all time is yeah. this game. Ah, it's just such a everything is so perfect. But the the daughter dangling him, not saving her, and then. His course of action in not saving his daughter, let's put her into more danger by dropping a fucking spinning bladed helicopter right next to where she's <laughs> hiding. Van Damme was the worst parent ever, dude. He just that keeps trying to kill his daughter. That helicopter drop, it's, it's you know, beautiful. they, they bookend this movie with um, a complete, like, remake of the Hans Gruber dropping to his death because it's a diehard clone so they have they have this helicopter falling completely vertical 20, 20 seconds vertical yeah. of just constantly cutting back and forth between the helicopter to the the top down view where you see Powers Booth like screaming up into the air as he is about to die it takes forever it is just emblematic of this movie being all too long than than it needed to be but it is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I love that he's leaning forward, hand on the throttle, and has time to look out the window over his shoulder to lock eyes with Van Damme as he falls <laughs> to his death. And go, no! It's like that Beautiful. scene I'm... in uh, that last Die Hard movie that we watched. There is that yeah. scene where they're in the helicopter and they the just helicopter. make eye, li- eye contact for entirely way too, way too long. It's so insane. Over the top. Everything about this movie fucking rules. 
I feel if that's if that's me, I'm not going to die with a fake mustache on, and I'm going to rip that thing off before the helicopter crashes. (laughs) With dignity. (laughs) Again, what what a terrible plan from the get go. At no point was it going to work out. I I seem so convoluted and all that for like a couple hundred mil. Because again, he has to split it between so many damn people that have all mm-hmm. contributed. And because they're professional. For some reason, it has to. <laughs> the vice president loves hockey so much. This is where we're going to get. He's a man of the people. My people. I love. He was ready to fight to save this no-name little girl like nobody else but this little girl that's that's one of those action movie staples you know gotta fight for the, the kids he's a yeah. man of action he's he's earnest he's great um my, my another one of my favorite imdb trivias is that the the daughter emily was originally supposed to be played they originally offered it to uh mara wilson who was uh matilda, matilda. Um, yeah. in the Matilda movies, and her parents would not let her do it because of the sheer amount of violence in the script, which Good call. I feel was, one, the wise move, and two, the girl who did play it didn't have another acting job for 11 years, so I feel yeah, like... because of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're killing multiple people in front of her, dangling for her life, um, and and just like the sheer, like... I don't know how old this girl is. I didn't look it up. I'm, she looks around the six or seven age. But like, even with acting, when you're exposing your kid to, you know, Powers Booth being like, "I'm gonna fill your mouth with spiders," <laughs> you know, he's just like <laughs> really pouring it on. I'm gonna shoot your daddy, kind of. Um, you know, it's. I, I get that. Would you like a beer, a cigarette? <laughs> Common courtesy Usually we offer to these offer vices. for somebody yeah. who's gonna die. It's like, damn, dude. <clears throat> also, just want to throw it out. Sure, it was probably a stuntman. Still weird that there was like three different times they cut to the reverse shot to show up the little girl's skirt while she's dangling. I, not needed. Not needed. I don't recall that. I am glad I didn't notice that. Very, it struck me out because it seemed like they deliberately focused on it. And I was like, what are we doing here, fellas? Very odd. Didn't like it, didn't need it. Could have cut those minutes out of the movie. Could have had it just, dang, uh, the terrible green screen was enough. Yeah. Yeah. What are your your guys' thoughts on Powers Booth? I want to know. Like, what's your familiarity with him as an actor? What is your, what are your thoughts on him as the the lead villain in, in this Die Hard clone? He's no Hans Gruber. He's no uh, Snape. I've I looked up his stuff. He is that guy that you've seen him in like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> he is, to me, he's Sin City. Yeah, he plays a lot of government officials. I noticed on his IMDb page, it's like vice president, general, colonel, captain, senator. There's one that he if, I'm very familiar with him with. It's one role. I, I saw it and I was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, Tombstone. Yeah, he was in Tombstone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Powers Booth of that Tombstone meme fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's him. Bye. Yeah, he just scrolling through his IMDb, IMDb, he plays pretty much the same thing in every single movie. Yeah. We, call that we, a need, we need like a corrupt government official. It's kind of like his his where he's pigeonholed. 
I was surprised he to does, learn. He does okay. Again, uh, he's having fun with it. I think the character overall sucks. The motivation is whack. Yeah. And his overall threat level is also pretty terrible. Like, Hans Gruber is terrifying, and when he kills somebody, it matters. This guy kills more people, but I don't care. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. Not really. I mean, there's not a character at all in this movie that has a sense of impending doom or they can actually do much of anything. It's, exactly. a, it's a bunch of schlubs that are trying to pull something. Again, I'll bring up Violent Night. Every character in that movie I thought was more threatening than anybody in this movie. Well, even like the original Die Hard, what it's trying to ape, there's the one giant blonde terrorist that like they build up mm-hmm. as like yes. a big throughout the whole movie. And then you have that satisfying payoff at the end where like I kind of feel we shoot our one early with that fight with it being the mascot fight. Yeah. And then we have yeah. all this others like it would have been cooler if the mascot was actually like some big terrorist that didn't fit in the suit. Right. And then they had the big fight. but. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But, uh, you need like every every good action movie villain needs that kind of like first mate, you know the mm-hmm. the big bad before the big bad. If you can if you can kill the muscle, then all of a sudden you're a threat to the the villain. The first the matey. Boss. <laughs> the mm-hmm. first matey. Uh, I don't know. Do we have any other scenes that we didn't talk about? Do you guys have any favorites that you want to make sure get some time before we get into a rating? Nope. Not for me. Did we hit everything. I think we touched on everything. Um, I last thing I want to mention is just I'm surprised that Powers Booth isn't a stage name. That isn't his actual right. human name. Really? Uh, apparently named after his dad's best friend who died in World War II. Well, it's a badass name, and it's one of those names that like you have to go into Hollywood almost, you know? Yeah. Powers Allen Booth. Well, Powers Booth. And he had one of those families where they named after, like, they all have the same alliterative name. So there's, like, Preston Booth and Paris Booth and Pam Booth and Powers Booth. I knew kids like that, but they went off the rails, like, after the first two. (laughs) Pam is the wife. Jonna Lee. Because I had to name him after the dad. That's right. I had to have John in there some way. You could go to the George Foreman route and just name them George and Georgina. <laughs> Man, that right there should be a case study as to why boxing shouldn't be a thing. And one of, I mean, that or just look at any footage of uh, the great one after the age of 50 when he shakes like fucking insane. Yeah, that. OK, that begs the question of something I've always wondered. How come junior names Ken Griffey Jr., George Foreman Jr., whatever. They're always male names. You never hear of a female junior name of, like, Kim Basinger Jr. or Jenny McCarthy Jr., whatever. Um, pick, a, pick a woman's name. It's always male names that are the junior, the third, the fourth, the fifth, yeah. that are, they are men. I wouldn't say common, but the, it does follow the same. Like, if you do have a daughter and you name them, you, they do get the junior like, the joke in King of the Hill is Khan Jr., because that's his daughter. He won't have a son. He names her after him. But that really does happen. They'll get that and get the junior that way. I think you can do it <laughs> for the woman's name, too. Like, if you have, like, a Mary Elizabeth, and then you have a Mary Elizabeth Jr., 
Yeah. It's, it's just I've, not as common. I have never. I yeah. personally have never been familiar with that. I've never known anybody myself personally, but I do, I've do. i read about them. I know that they exist on this plane of existence. Yeah. Um, but none of them are flying helicopters through stadium roof that are open no. just a quarter of the way. Um, so, yeah, uh... I don't know. I guess we want to do rental store first, Shani. Yeah. First up, what is your shirt? Oh, it's a oh, it's a classic experience grind. Mandy had made for me years and years ago. It was like a one-off. Yo, that is before I ever had shirts made. That she is had it made for me like. Dog. Yeah, she had it made for me like one Christmas back when like we first started doing the show. That's fucking wild. I just saw experience cool. across the top. I yeah. was like, what the fuck is that? It's cool as fuck. It's old as hell. I'm, I found it in the closet, and I was like, oh, that shirt rocks. I'm going to wear that. That's freaking tight, dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do rental store. You want to you wanna hit um, you wanna hit Phil with it? <clears throat> yeah, I'll ask Phil first, and then uh, we'll, we'll go round robin style. Phil, if you were at a tiny hole-in-the-wall marketplace in your hometown that you grew up at, and in that marketplace mm-hmm. there was a small hand-created rental store section back in the corner. And you walked by the case for sudden death. You gonna pick up? You written sudden death? Yes. Oh yeah. Short story. Yes. It's got Van Dam on the cover. It's got. <laughs> it's got. Death in the title. Yeah. <laughs> it's got death in the title. Um, which is another thing I want to touch on of, but we'll get to that later. But, um, yeah, I'm renting sudden death. No doubt. Johnny, what about you? You walking by, you going to get sudden death? Man, I'll, I'll rent this for a weekend. This was fun. Hmm. I guess it depends on the time of year. Uh, actually it doesn't depend on time of year. I guess it just depends on if I want to watch a sports movie or not. This movie Absolutely. I don't think we've really talked about how much this is kind of a sports movie. There's a lot of hockey. A lot of hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For everybody that is arguing about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I want people arguing about whether or not Sudden Death is a sports movie. Sure. Good call. I, I think the argument for both, fine. I don't care who wins there. But if I'm if I'm in the mood for a sports movie and I see this, I'm picking it up. Kyle. If you're uh, I'm also in the back I of your probably store, would. Yeah. Eh, let me do my thing. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm jumping all over you. My bad. No, that's good. You're renting it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely am renting it. And in fact, <clears throat> I, after I rent it, I'm either convincing my mom to take us over to my uncle so he can make a copy or I'm pretending to lose it so we don't have to return it and then we pay the the replacement fee of like 14.95 for a VHS copy cuz oh, uh, I I fall in love with this movie so hard. I really did, man. I'm buying this digitally. Uh I fucking had a blast watching this. I haven't laughed this much in a long long time. Uh, this whole thing was a treat. Like I literally, I was cackling, laughing out loud by myself <laughs> in my living room watching this movie. It, it tickled me that much. Perfection. I'm absolutely written it. So that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. 
Let's do it. Let's do. We can do a rating. Okay. Um, me to you, you to Phil, Phil to me. Sure, sure. And that'll give Phil a couple ideas of how, how we'll play it out. Okay. Kyle. All right. Yes, sir. Pretend. Don't pretend. Just put your head in the space of someone who's uh, trying to outrun a bunch of terrorists. You're, you find your way out into the ice somehow. Security's real lacking in the Stanley Cup playoff. You find yourself in front of a net, full-on goalie suit. Man, I, I, I didn't stress how like terror-inducing it was every time it was in his POV and the hockey players were going towards him. <laughs> like I got yeah. anxious every time that happened. Um, uh-huh. But you are in that situation, and they're coming down at you, and you make this game-winning save. Okay, and uh, you realize, oh my God, I gotta go defuse some more bombs. Okay, you see the closest person to you that's on the other team, and you've got to piece him up. You're gonna give him like a Mortal Kombat brutality, okay, of punches to get yourself ejected from the game. Sure. On a scale of one to eighteen brutality punches, uh-huh. how bad you lighten this guy up to oh, get man. booted out of the All game? Right. This guy is getting 18 brutality punches. I'm sweeping him off his feet. I'm pulling his shirt up over his head. I'm kneeing him in the face. I'm throwing him through the glass. All of it. Every fucking body crushing blow I can give to this guy. I'm giving it. This fucking movie ruled, you guys. I'm, I'm, Phil, I love you so much for showing me this movie, man. Like, I've watched a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme with you and in my own free time because I do enjoy the man. Never heard of this movie. I'm watching this movie all the fucking time. This is hands yeah. down in my top ten bad great movies ever. It's got so much happening, dude. It's it's perfection, and I love that it's bigger budget because that makes it even more enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Just mwah, mwah. Mm. Merry Christmas, Kyle. <sighs> all right, Phil. Mm-hmm. Say you are. A, uh, a retired fire marshal who's just getting his feet back on the job, and uh, yeah. you know, you're you're taking care of your kids at this hockey arena, and you get jumped by a female terrorist in a costume, a mascot costume. Now, uh, at one point, you've gotten the upper hand in this fight, and you're about to dunk her hand in a fryer vat of fries <laughs> on a scale of one. To let's say thirteen fries in that fryer. How many? With thirteen being the best, how many fries are in that fryer? You're jamming her hand into. I think. I think there are ten French fries in that fryer that her hand gets dipped into for a, a good like four seconds. Uh huh. And pull it up, and you got the the. You know, All the very blistery hand. Again, they really fucked up this mascot. Um, brutal. And that's not, we didn't even talk about the guy getting a chicken boned in the neck. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, so 10 out of 13 French fries. Not a full handful of fries, but you picked up enough that you're, you're satisfied. You're satisfied. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, Shawnee Boy. Yo. I'm curious. You are you are the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
National Hockey League franchise. Accurate. Your wife has uh, been um, integral in getting the script of sudden death to be located within your confines. Uh, and you are in the midst of an NHL lockout, which allows you to use your arena as a filming location for sudden death, starring Convenient. Jean-Claude Van Damme. In the season coming out of the lockout, on a scale of 1 to 82 wins, 82 games in an NHL season, how many games do you win on a scale of 1 to 82 for the movie Sun Death? There's legit 82 games in a season? Yeah, same as as NBA. They play a lot of fucking games. Not as much as baseball. Yes, they do. I guess. I don't know. Um, man, on a scale of one to 82 games, based on my enjoyment of this movie, I'll give this game, I'll give this movie, (laughs) it's an easy one, 69. Let's give it 69. Nice. Yeah. It's the sex number. (laughs) Sex number. It's funny, guys. (laughs) Uh, I feel like that's pretty good. It's 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 a little long in the tooth. It runs a little bit. It is a lot of fun. It is silly. I did feel like I was watching. I was watching Die Hard with hockey. Um, uh-huh. That's how but, they pitched it. But with yep. lay, way less stakes. Um, and I was just constantly in awe of how terrible his kids are. And like when he goes, when he makes that save before he knocks out the motherfucker on the ice and he takes off his glove and he does the sign language. I love you. It's like, why are you even doing that to your kid? He's been a shit bag this entire movie. Why are you trying to earn him? And that's not the one that even taught you the move. It was your daughter's move. You dick. Uh huh. Well, as we learn oh, this movie, okay. this movie's matter. perfect. Oh. This movie's a lot. Of I, I get, I get why you both. I, I, I'm the biggest complainer about movie length. Never affected me. Like I said, I watched this movie twice mm. today, guys, and this movie's two hours long. Uh, but I, I can totally see why you can get it. I just think my enjoyment uh, eschews the time limit. I did. I the reasons I love this movie. I don't care about the time limit. I want even more of it give me more for sure this again like i said i wish we had more van damme on the ice that would be if we yes. had an extra five minutes so of unique. him In- yeah. instead of 20 minutes of whatever filler we could remove keep, keep that time in there but instead let him play an entire quarter and i want to just watch the entire quarter cut the bombs down from 10 to 5 make him count, find only four yeah i agree mm-hmm. uh yeah. no because one bomb still explodes and just ruptures a water main. Wow, big <laughs> That's deal. all it does. What a bunch of bullshit. You said Beautiful. it was a 36 body count? Okay, maybe one uh, person died in that. Maybe. Couldn't swim. Um, Pittsburgh. I love this time of year. I'm glad that we loved it so much. We we jam in a whole second month halfway through the year. It's my new favorite thing. Like, this is our second time talking Jean-Claude Van Damme with our, our best buddy Phil here. I love it every time. Uh, again, as I've gushed repeatedly, I love it even more this time. You've given me such a gift, Phil. I cannot thank you. I'm going to watch this movie 
endlessly laugh my ass off and think of you every time. Uh, that makes me so happy. I, ooh, Merry Christmas to you both. I will say, even though I did poo-poo on it a little bit, this is my favorite mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that we've watched. Easily mine, too. Wow. And I love Bloodsport, okay. but for sure, hands down, it, this is it my was favorite just, now. It was fresh, and it was different. Sometimes like you watch some of those movies, and it feels like... Uh, a Reese, not even a reskinned because it's not reskinned. Mm-hmm. It's just a different, similar story with a different act, you know, accent <laughs> backstory that sends him to the same exact places. You definitely oh, need feel the bigger budget on this one too, which I also yeah. really do appreciate. I think that makes it a, a level above the normal schlocky Jean Claude Van Damme that I just. Mm-hmm. Uh, It'll be interesting if we ever get around to watching The Quest, which is just Van Damme doing a bigger budget version of Bloodsport in 1996. Oh, and okay. it's soulless and sad. And oh, it's, please don't say it's an if interesting. We, it, we will. Well, there's, there's, a lot of mo- there's a lot of Van Damme movies out there. So okay. we'll I can't wait, man. For real. Uh, I, it's crazy. I don't even watch him anymore now. I just wait for when we have Phil on. Ah. I love uh, it, man. Yeah, it needs to be fresh. Like, and, and again, you guys both watched them today, so it's just it's in the front of your mind. Mm-hmm. I love it that way. Yeah, well, that's how I, I always you, watch. Yeah. That's how I always do these shows. Watch it day of, just because it's fresh. You can talk about it. You don't forget. I wanted the small to watch smart. it earlier, but now I'm glad I didn't too, because I would have watched the other movie. So, yeah, don't, <laughs> no, death Double warrant. Um, don't watch it. But no, we won't until we do it for this show. Whenever we run out of other Van Damme flicks, we'll get there eventually. Okay. Uh, Let's. Uh, if we're gonna do that, we, it needs to be Christmas in July because I don't want to gift you guys a turd movie okay. in December. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, buddy, and I appreciate mm-hmm. you. We love you, Phil. Thanks for uh, coming back again every year. I love you, buddy. Love you both. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. I love thank you, Sean. You, thank you, Kyle. Yes. Can I do the send-off? Yeah, of course. Do the send-off. You got it. It's on you, bro. Sick. All right, everybody. Until next time, go puck yourself. Three months. All right, Phil. Mm-hmm. Would you rather eat a French fry out of a yes. fryer that a woman's hand had been stuffed into? Ooh, okay. Did it actually have or, oil or was it water? Yeah, it was there. <laughs> yeah. Or get squirt in the face with a squirt gun filled with lighter fluid. No lighter. But you still get squirt in the face with the lighter fluid. Give me that French fry. I don't care. It tastes like like cocoa butter, like hand balm, a <laughs> little bit. But I I am the trash compactor of my family. I will eat whatever leftover food is out in the mat. It's where I get my robust I, I, figure from. I have that so. designation too. Hey, I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> you want the other half of this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what are you eating? I love you, yes. Phil. Mwah. Love you guys.